Hey, John Richards, a cut above horror review, episode number 26. Want to wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a very, very happy new year. We're talking about New Year's Evil from 1980. Yeah, not very many in the subgenre of New Year's horror movies. So uh, give it a listen, cut above episode number 26, New Year's Evil, 1980. Tickets. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host Jacqueline and tonight we'll be reviewing New Year's Evil from 1980. But before we start talking about that, let's meet everybody else on the show. First up, Hydra Berg. What's Almost going happy on guys? New Year. Happy New Year. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Merry Christmas too, by the way. Merry Christmas. How was your holiday? It was good. Uh, it got canceled because my uh, some of my in-laws that we were going to get together with had COVID. Oh. But um, uh, someone I, I've known for a long time that I haven't seen in a while, I got to hang out with this weekend. And that was uh, that was fun. And I had a really good time and uh, feeling good. That's awesome. Always good to reunite. That's what the holidays yeah. are for, right? If nothing else. Yeah. Reuniting. Cool. Feels so good. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to pick up on that. Thank you. I knew I could count on you. Mm-hmm. Next up, we got John. Merry Christmas. A little Merry, late, John. Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah, looking forward to 2022. Uh, very excited. And uh, look at that shit eating grin on Hyderberg's face. Special lady friend, huh? Uh, you know, I'm not going to say. Maybe. <laughs> he's a gentleman, John. What do you expect? Oh, I'm not asking for details. It's just he's got he's got the biggest grin I've ever seen on his face. It's uh, <laughs> sickening, actually, you know, just to look at that. <laughs> yeah, Hyderberg is not a, a big smiler overall, but he's he's smiling today. <laughs> <laughs> and he's laughing, too, which is fantastic. <laughs> I think that's mostly embarrassment. So maybe we should move on. Yeah. And, J- and Jacqueline, I'm sorry you're not feeling well. Hopefully you had a wonderful Christmas. I know uh, you, you were scarping some ice cream before we got on. So Yeah, that's all I can eat mm. right now. My throat hurts. But, you know, that's that's just life. <laughs> it is, especially this time of year. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, so I think that we're going to, I think we don't have too much news today, John. Is that right? So we yeah. can just kind of skip right over that. Yeah, it's been crazy busy. So I didn't really get any news. I'll start the new year. My new year's resolution is to have news every single week, even if it sucks. So okay. yeah. All right. Bad news. is so Nothing new on Rob Zombie. <laughs> you got it in, dude. You got it in nicely. Yeah. done. Well done. You know, you guys give me shit, but honestly, you are the ones who bring up Rob Zombie like two oh, to one more than I do. Become so. a thing now. I feel like we have to. <laughs> I know. But even before it was on. a thing, you guys kind of did it too. So <laughs> and Rob Zombified. I uh, real quick, I, I you guys probably saw already, but I won a raffle uh, this weekend on Instagram. I uh, entered awesome. it a couple weeks ago. It was like uh, one of the artists that did one of my tattoos on Halloween had like uh-huh. a little giveaway. And first place, I think, got like five hundred dollars. I, I won second place among nice. three other like two other people. So I won a hundred dollar like um, credit towards a tattoo with him. Yeah. And a, uh, it's also just for entering. You get like 20 percent off the, the purchase as well. So. Is there going to be an ACA tattoo? A cut above? Not yet. No. Damn it. What? We're up to 26 now, dude. Come on. I know Look. we are. It's I'm looking at a Freddy Krueger tattoo. Oh, oh. Shit now. Nice. I shared it in the Slack. <laughs> We're straight chilling. Very nice. cool. 
Well, I can't wait to see that. Do you have like a, a timeline for which you'd like to get that done? I mean, it's not going to be that very expensive. Next couple of weeks. Say what now? You kind of froze. I said the next couple of weeks I should be able to get it. Oh, it's cool. not going to be very expensive or anything. I already have $100 taken off the price. Yay. So. All right. Well, we'll need pictures so that we can post on the socials. Yeah, I will. <laughs> All right. Well, John, yes. let's start talking about New Year's Evil from 1980. This was your pick this week. Shall we? Okay. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> let me be honest to why I picked it because um, um, our host, Jacqueline, suggested it to me because I was trying to think of a New Year's movie. We're, we're out of, well, not out of the holiday season, but we're out of Christmas season. Everybody's looking forward to 2022. Hope, fingers crossed. It's so much better of a year, but yeah, I, th- I, I think they're like with the subgenre of, of holiday movies, uh, you don't see a lot of Thanksgiving and you do not see very many New Year's themed horror no. movies. You know, it was like this or Terror, Terror Train. Train. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. you know, I went with this one. 1980s has always been pretty solid when it comes to horror slashers, whatever type movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's why I picked um. it. Well, cool. I'm glad I'm glad you picked it. <laughs> I kind of feel like I picked it, but uh, it was the first so, time for me. Yeah. 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 I had was heard of first, it. Was it your first time too, John? Third. Third. Okay. Yeah. Me yeah. Too. I saw it way back in the day. I think I watched it like six, seven years ago. And then, yeah, just recently mm-hmm. for the podcast. So came out in what? 1980. 1980. Yeah. Exactly. John, you were like, what? 36 then? <laughs> 95. Oh. 95. I ate <laughs> like a fine wine. Look at this. You are this. holding yeah. up great. Thank you. you. Thank you so much. You look like the, the cover much. of Men's House. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going you back too. to my Elvis. Thank you very much. <laughs> Don't get me started on the Elvis. <laughs> I need to hear some voice change to Elvis. Oh, jeez. I'm trying to figure this. out this. Uh, yeah, I did get a uh, a new mic set up for uh, Christmas, Santa. Thank you so much. Uh, it's got a soundboard, but I'm trying to figure out how to hook it up to my laptop because there's a bump that we got last week that we need to play all the time <laughs> and God. and i'll relive it because it was the fucks or sucks uh, segment of the show and jacqueline says this movie fucked uh, and i'm paraphrasing of course this movie fucked so hard i would make an honest woman of it or something like that which I, that was had me laughing my ass off. my favorite line of the entire year <laughs> I said it fucks so good. I want to marry it so I can make an honest woman. Over yeah. it. There you go. That was I it. That. That's <laughs> it's still funny. And still true. It's still true. And soundbite worthy, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm honored because <laughs> I'm never I'm never the funny one. So you're always funny. Yeah, you're funnier than you think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'll take it from you guys. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of which, should we decide whether this movie fucks or sucks? Certainly. All right. Johnny, you go first. <clears throat> this is tough for me because, it, you know, like I said, 1980s always had kind of a special place in my heart. You know, I was on the verge of giving it a flaccid fuck, but man, there wasn't very much that was to enjoy about this movie. So I'm, I'm actually going to lean to the sucks. This movie sucks. How about you, Jacqueline? All right. Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat. I, To be honest with you, I think that I remembered it more fondly than it really deserves. Um, right. I, too, had seen it twice before. The first time, maybe six or seven years ago, and the second time, maybe two or three years ago. And it, yeah, it lived more fondly in my memory than I think it it, it played this time around. Um, it, it's not a terrible movie, but I'm going to say it kind of sucks. So, yeah. 
How about you, Hydraberg? Um, I think you guys are you guys are mostly on point. Um, I think this movie does have an interesting spin on the slasher genre. Um, you know, because we've seen so many different tropes in that genre before, and this one does something a little bit different. And I think for that, it edges past the suck and it becomes a flaccid fuck. Okay. Right. Yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of leaning that way. I just you know, watching it again this past weekend, it was like, oh, man. Yeah, I haven't had a flaccid fuck, I think, since Malignant, so. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. All right, we'll drop the spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about uh, Christmas or New Year's Evil from 1980 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, make sure you pause the podcast, go watch it, come back to find out what we thought about it. And uh, we're going to throw it to Hyderberg. It's Hyderberg's Reach Around Plots Synopsis. All right, guys. <clears throat> A killer that hides in plain sight on this New Year's Eve night. The L.A. skyline bathed in lights as evil stalks its prey at night. Cryptic calls made to blaze and suffocation from purple haze. Disguises never cease to amaze. Marital issues fill him with rage. A victim in his eyes and a slave to the blaze. How many women must die for his plan that he's made? An elevator ride like you've never had. A killer, a husband, and he's a dad. The end to this story is really sad. Based on that, there is no sequel. A night that's known as New Year's Evil. <laughs> Lovely. Very nice. Very I nice. love that. This My movie was part 80s of that is, as fuck. It was very 80s. It is so 80s. Hyderberg, can you repeat the line with the part about how he sees himself as a slave? He sees himself as a victim. Yeah. And can I said a slave to just... the Blaze because Blaze, his wife Diane, is like a you know pop star sort mm-hmm, of like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seems it seems like the whole dynamic in the family is like based around her and her career. Yeah. And, like, and it hit me near and dear to the heart because uh, radio DJs are never that popular anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it, to me, it wasn't clear whether she was like a, a DJ or like a VJ, like an MTV VJ. Because she shouted out like a radio station. So I felt like this was some kind of thing that they were doing. She did, you know, but with yeah. video, obviously, this yeah. is I, I think it predates because it was probably made back in 79. So it predates uh, MTV, mm-hmm. which MTV. came out what, yeah. 82, 83. Yeah, I, I didn't specifically mean MTV, but some kind of like, show, but yeah, some kind of, yeah, I mean, like, DJs. Show. Yeah. DJs back in the day were actually very popular. They were like celebrities, you know, yeah, like but, Nick Clark. I mean, uh, no. What was the other guy who did the um, Stern? Casey like Howard Casey? Stern. Yeah, Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem. Yeah. It's time for love jams right now. Like Casey Kasem. Thank you. I miss that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He had a great voice. He did. All of us listened to him. I mean, he was coast to coast. Yeah. (laughs) Did you ever hear that video or that that audio of Casey Kasem? Like behind the scenes, losing a shit about some Talking letter about he dead, was supposed to read. A dead yeah. dog. He's like, "How the fuck do I go into this into this <laughs> song talking about a dead fucking dog?" This is re- fuck it. Let's just do it. I was like and the was Bill like, O'Reilly rant. Casey, no. <laughs> Your image, but he's right though. I mean, it's like like how do you how do you go into this real down right? when, you, when you talk about a dead dog? You know, so yeah. it, it meant a lot of. Sense. I, I've listened to that multiple times. Yeah, it's a funny one. Anyway. Um, yeah, the, the the punks in this movie, I I think were just filler characters of making it. Hey, we're in the eighties. Enjoy this. Yeah, Sound I think it was just 80s. supposed to give it a certain vibe, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was. I think it was a little painful. 
I love Diane's makeup. That was like one of the first things I noticed. I was like, oh, it's so bad. Even her eyebrows were painted like pink. It was like, ugh. Yeah. Well, it was, I don't know. She really did capture that kind of glammed up look. I'm not saying it was good, but it was definitely a look. Yeah. (laughs) So I did like the beginning of the movie though. Like I sort of like the LA skyline and like Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, punk music kicks in or whatever. And you get to see everybody heading to the show. New York's evil, yeah. You know, I'm not gonna this... lie, I kind of like that main theme song. Uh-huh. They just played it too many times in the movie. Like, I'd like 13, to hear it once, 14 times or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, I'd that like to hear it once. That's it. Was it. Beginning when they got to the concert. And yeah, <laughs> the end theme of the movie, which was was hilarious to me. Yeah. So yeah, those those punk characters. I mean, I thought could have played a little more integral part of this. I thought yeah. the sound design was god awful in this i okay so so they're they're sitting there they're they're having the concert right so this band is playing but you hear the feet clopping around as they're mosh pitting yes it was so awkward so awkward like it was, somebody needed to mix that better it was so bad because oh, it, it was like yeah new year's evil shuffle 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 <laughs> yeah it was like Whatever. the walking in birdemic <laughs> yeah yeah did it feel a little bloated with cast though no, uh, like too many cast members, you mean? Too many characters, I think, that they try to incorporate in. in I mean, com- maybe I, yeah. I would have liked definitely like one of my critiques is like I would have liked them to delve into the, like, the family dynamic a little bit more between Diane, Derek and Richard, because they play on that and it becomes like a big part of the plot, I guess. But we never really get a sense of it. So. I think that's a really nice twist to the movie, though, it about is. who Richard really is. You know, yeah. I thought that, that 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 was very cool. But God, this movie was what an hour and twenty five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it feels really slow. It does. It slogs so I, po- poorly because yeah, I mean, the pacing the, is an issue. You got the beginning of the movie, which is like five minutes of these punks in in their convertible and some lady flashing her tatas at these dudes and then throwing cigarettes and spitting at everybody they get to this holiday Inn thing where this big new year's eve party is going and then you just see them dancing around like they're just okay we're punks whatever uh it, it was like was that necessary there was a mood i guess yeah and well, i think so- it was to kind of pad out the runtime a little bit yeah well they could have played more music which was fantastic <laughs> by the way they that could have played awesome. that song a few more times. <laughs> was, there was a lot of music in this, a lot of performances. There yeah. were, because they were like different bands every time they showed her on stage. You know, yeah, the Blaze Diane character. You see her yeah. up on stage at one point dancing, and that was it. And she's like, I'm so winded. I got to go take a break. And I like, didn't really like feel her character that much, to be honest. I didn't. Like, I yeah, feel so like let's... We, they could have got a Tony Katane or somebody like that to play that role better, but. Mm, that would be, that's an interesting choice yeah. Yeah, can, can we talk about her for a minute because i feel like she's ostensibly our protagonist yeah um, but not a good one not a, not a good one um for uh, for several reasons one i don't think that she's a sympathetic character there's not really much to like about her we know that she's yeah. famous and she has this onstage persona for her fans but every time we see her off stage. She's really just kind of not likable. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we see her just blatantly ignoring her son, who is so desperately trying to get just a minute of her time. And so that's the only dramatization we see of that dynamic. 
But then we hear him talk a little bit about how, well, that's nothing new. Like what else is new? You don't have time for me. So we're, we're told not shown, but told at least that this is a longstanding dynamic that they have. And then she's just kind of like a little rude to the cops and kind of like, what the hell? I have to get dressed and I don't have time for this. Yeah. Yeah. Just dismissive and, like she just doesn't behave the way that you would expect a normal person to behave. And there's just really, there, there's no, I feel like we don't really have any reason to root for her or fear for her safety when she clearly becomes the target of the killer. Yeah. Are you, I feel like you read my notes because like I wrote down so many similar points about her and just her, Derek and Richard, like none of them are really that likable, right? The three main characters and like Richard, yeah, he's the killer, but you almost sympathize with him a little bit more at the end. I thought how, how much Blaze is Diane sort of is like this controlling sort of like woman then, who doesn't seem to give any attention to. And, the two and other that was guys the thing. If they wouldn't have thrown the monologue when they were in the elevator, yeah. of Richard, uh, you know, just saying all these things about women. Yeah, he um, sort of dumps on her too much. It, it, it was really misogynistic. So it really took me away from that character. But like most of the way through the movie, I was kind of rooting for him, yeah. which is weird. It I didn't weird. want to. Um, you know, and, and the believability of Derek being Diane's son, uh, was zero because she was maybe two years older than him. (laughs) So so, (laughs) suspension of disbelief was not there for me on this watch. I just went, nah, this, this guy could be her boyfriend or her husband. I, I don't know. Yeah. They also, they had a weird relationship. Did you see like when he first came into the dressing room, like the kiss on the lips, which I don't know. I know it's probably like an older thing that people did, you know, but like a mom and mm. son kissing on the lips. He's like a man now. Yeah, it was a little odd. And then um, that guy's acting. The guy who plays Derek's is so bad. Did you see when he <laughs> takes is. those three pills and he like drinks some water and swallows them? The next scene that they show him, they're in his mouth still. Like they're yeah, not even that. swallowed. Like you can still see them. I'm like, come on, bro. I did like the scene where he puts the the uh, yeah, that was on his head. <laughs> that was like just it was disturbing as hell because then he's because you could see the holes in his ears and it, he sticks the pins through there, but they, they gave a little blood effect to it, which I thought looked really cool. I, I want to go to the Richard guy because this guy was actually kind of fun to watch throughout the movie. It reminded yeah. me of Bruce Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, oh yeah. my God. I thought the exact same yeah, thing. I was like, this guy looks like Bruce. He Jenner. did have that all American look to him with the hair, <laughs> excuse me, the haircut and his like tracksuit thing. And yeah, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> it reminded me of it, but I, I love in in Hydroberg, I believe you said it that it had like this different kind of twist on a slasher that you've never seen. Yeah. Because at the beginning of the movie, you you know who he is. I, I I like the fact that you see him go to a phone booth and use his voice changer thing as he's calling Diane and you know saying, I'm gonna kill whoever, you know, almost almost like a you know, Scream kind of took that and, and elevated mm-hmm. it to a whole, whole different level. And, you know, I like the way he kept changing characters. Like, yeah, he was, he was a priest. He was, he was uh, a master of disguise. Yeah, he was. And it, it was great. He and, had a fake mustache, which is like our third film in like a month that had a nice face mustache to it. That one looked good, though. <laughs> it did. It looked very believable. Yeah, that one didn't look like a Thanksgiving nah. sheriff <laughs> dad guy. <laughs> But yeah, like you said, with the um, with the killer, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, the um, son, they seem to like want to paint the son as like a red herring for a minute there, but they didn't really go with that that idea long enough to really 
make it believable that he might have been the killer. I thought it paid it, off at the end, though. It I mean, did. There, there could have been there could have been a little emotion, you know, when um, I, yeah, I guess we can just jump into it. Um, you know, so was he in on it the whole time? That's what I'm wondering. No, they, I didn't they, get that sense. Yeah, the vibe I got is they both. I, it was almost inherited uh, mental yeah, illness. He took it over. Because yeah. we found out that Richard was actually at the uh, uh, sanitarium where mm-hmm. he first killed or, or killed the first victim, which was, well, I guess that wasn't the first victim. It was Yvonne, but Yvonne, that nurse, yeah. he, he killed that nurse, which by the way, you know, this nurse has no morals, I guess, you know, well, I, oh, I wrote that down. Okay. So <laughs> I totally wrote that down because um, I said, it's, it's definitely a, a trope that's overused in the eighties, the promiscuous, female nurse who doesn't mind hooking up while on the job. Like that's used in so many <laughs> 80s movies. Like Friday the 13th did it. Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street has a moment that's like uses that trope. So it's very tropey. Mm-hmm. Just seems odd. Like a professional woman is like, oh yeah, we're just gonna hook up. I'm gonna drink champagne with some random dude who just came out of the supply closet. Yeah. It's very because tropey, but it hair. is never believable ever. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, Jack, New Year's Eve. Did you find Richard charming? No. Not at all. No. Okay, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Should I? Did you? A little bit. I I, I thought that he was believably. very smooth. I thought when, as he was approaching women, he was he he had a certain level of. I'm not, I wouldn't say that he you know he was top notch charmer, but he had a certain level of charm for the character. And then when he got his victims, it just became overacting. It just became yeah. like this, you know, this extreme of this is this is what I'm going to do to you. You know, the turning on they could have turned that, I guess, that mentality or or, or or the killer on a dime better. If that makes sense. It's like 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 yeah. you get this. It's almost, like he, he almost reminded me of, of what you picture uh, Ted Bundy being like. He was a okay. very charming, good looking guy being able to, you know, woo a woman, but not to that extreme, but be like turning on a dime like that. They could have they could have gone to an extreme with that. And they really I found him believable. Definitely like the way he picked up the nurse, you know, even though that seemed like an unbelievable situation, you know, whatever. It's still his the way he delivered his dialogue and stuff, his body language, too. And then, like, yeah. when he picks up the, the women in the club, like that seemed believable as well. I mean, he had that awesome mustache. Huh? That did most of the work, but. Still, I, I did I mean, find I, I would, Yeah, I would agree that that's believable. I just, I think charming might be a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, and I'm not saying extremely charming. I'm just saying that he had a certain level of it to where yeah. it was semi-believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like socially adept enough to pick up a woman and get her to, yep. you know, maybe, engage with yeah, him. That's, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Uh, and the way he could like slide into different uh, disguises too. Yeah, mm-hmm. obviously he was pretty good, you know, at blending in or just, you know, his personality. Yeah, this plot was so fucking choppy, man. Um, he did pick up that woman at the bar, and the Two friend women. came along, and that that was totally believable. But then the dialogue they had this is another scene that could have been cut because it was so long. You know, she's just babbling on about TMTA and yeah, you know, meditation and her friend's um stress diarrhea or whatever yeah, it was. She's like, Sharon, shh, be quiet. <laughs> Okay, so I actually have to disagree with you guys about that. Um, that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie where he's riding in the car with, I don't remember her name, Sally? Was it Sally? Might have been. Yeah, because it's know. a grating on his nerves, right? Oh, it really is. Yeah, but like, so honestly, I think that the female, the female victims at times were like better drawn characters than 
the protagonists of the film, mm. like the, the the main characters. Like I enjoyed watching that interact. Like we got more indication of that Sally girl's character than True. Blaze even. Yeah. Um, like she's a more likable character than like I think that girl is probably the most likable character in the movie for me at least and it it felt true to life and like you know you're with your girlfriend and you're like well I'm not just gonna go with somebody alone you don't want me to do yeah, that kinda, do you yeah. and just kind of chattering on about the things that interest her and she's excited to go to a party with him and then she's you know slips a little secret about her friend and her friend's pissed and I don't know I it was actually like to me that was like one of the more realistic parts of the movie and I enjoyed that and I wish we could have had a little bit more of that with the nurse that he killed and then the the girl in the the drive-in movie you know that he takes with him stalked and yeah um so I I don't know I I liked it I didn't think it was long and drawn out I I thought the scene itself I and I thought the Sally character, if that's her name, she was okay. She, she did great on me, but I thought the friend was actually really good because she didn't have a lot of dialogue. But the, like you said, the realism of, listen, I'm going to go with you. You're not going to go with some yeah. stranger. You know, the fact that she fell, fell victim to this. And, you know, again, this this certain smidge of charm that this guy has is like, hey, listen, you need to go in there, go use the John, yeah. call it the John. Thanks. Why, why, why am I referred to as a bathroom? Good lord! Because um, of Shrek too. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I thought the believability of the friend character, you know, was really good because she does go in. She's like, okay, yeah, I'll go get some champagne. We can all celebrate together. Whatever. Many you know, types, and and it's it sets it up nicely. I thought I thought that the whole sequence was set up nicely. I just thought the drive in the car graded on me a lot I, I laughed at it more than i was like "Ooh, this is interesting it was one of the moments where the movie slowed down a little bit for me yeah. but jacqueline you're also right about their dynamic and re- realistic dialogue and a scene like that on new year's eve you know you get in the car with somebody yeah. the other friends like you know you don't have to say everything that comes into your head like you don't have to just say it <laughs> yeah i guess just in comparison with a lot of the other dialogue in the movie which doesn't seem believable to me yeah that felt authentic so i mean i'm not saying it's a great scene but it was it felt like you know real characters to me this is uh this is also their second movie in two weeks that we we have with a uh, stranger calling in to somebody i don't believe that this guy has the same panache as billy though but no 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 way still i Um, I thought it was interesting so on that note i gotta say i think those phone calls that that richard makes to blaze are just absolutely laughable their voice it sounds so ridiculous and my friend megan and i that you know we watched um, silent night together she and i watched new year's evil together for the first time and so that was maybe seven years ago and we've been laughing about it ever ever since and every new year i always mean to call her at midnight and and leave that i am evil and every year i forget it's been seven years and i'm probably gonna forget <laughs> this year too he, he looked like he had a crack pipe in his mouth or something i thought he had one i thought it was one of those little instruments you know that you stick yeah. it in your mouth and you go oh like boing, a guitar but it was boing, weird he didn't really have it boing, cl- boing. he had like the phone right up to his mouth as well i feel like you would just hear him anyway so i don't know how those things work exactly though so. obviously diane know. wouldn't be able to hear his voice because she would recognize it as richard so Right. It sounded like a distorted Dr. Evil. I threw me $100 million. He's like, tonight I'm going to commit murder. 
Yeah, they, it was not like those phone calls were not unsettling or creepy or ominous or threatening in any way. No. They just sounded silly. But um, at least Diane made it look like it was threatening when she was on the other line. Like, oh my god, I'm so scared. Yeah, with her spectacular. It wasn't acting. like it wasn't like every other creepy caller. There was something different about him. Yeah, this guy was different. There was something I liked about um, her promotion for the um, the New Year's Eve party at. They were talking about like it's on several different time zones and they show like, hey, Chicago, are you there? And they're like, yeah, we're here, Diane Blaze. And she didn't even call herself Blaze. It was Blaze, a Blaze. <laughs> yeah, Blaze. It must be French. And then they're like, New York, are you there? And they're like, yeah, New York's here. Yeah, yeah. And then they go to like Aspen, Colorado, of all places. Like, yeah, that's the place where you want to ring in the new year. Yeah, well, and there's like skiers there. With fucking, yeah, no, no offense to anybody from Colorado. No, no, not they got at torches. All like, what are they but, doing with the torches? Were they going to go down and light something for the ball or something? I was it, assuming. It makes sense to me why they would go to New York for Eastern time zone, yeah. to Chicago no, for LA. Central time zone. But out of all the places in Mountain time zone, Aspen, Aspen I think like Salt Lake or Phoenix or that's exactly Colorado. right. Yeah, I mean, it's like Salt Lake City. Hey, yeah, you know, Aspen. Let's go to Aspen. <laughs> And then you have West Coast, which is Los Angeles. Fine. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Mountain time. I was Where the like, beer what? flows like wine and the women flow, uh, swim like what? Capistrano? I forgot the, the quote from Dumb and Dumb. No idea. Oh, what okay. about. No. <laughs> Where the women flock like Capistrano. <laughs> I will say, though, I think that the, the concept of the movie was interesting. Like this idea that he wants to kill every hour on the hour leading up to midnight, yeah. like in each of the time zones. And it, so it, I don't know, maybe this just appeals to a certain part of my brain that seeks patterns and organization, but it was like, oh, I know what to expect. I you do know? like that. And it was very hours coming up. There's going to be a murder. I, I know what to expect. It's like it felt very organized and I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I did very, like, like the cop. Out, you could tell. I like the cop with the punks at the beginning where they're getting in tickets. Give me your tickets. Do you have your tickets? We need tickets. Did you notice that guy? Yeah, it was the cop at the front door, <laughs> and I rewound it like three or four times. I'm like, he really said it like that. Like he's like, tickets. I need, give me your like, tickets. Can I? Have that your was tickets? really your acting choice. <laughs> do, do you have your tickets? We need your tickets right now. Your tickets, tickets. That's a good impersonation, John. <laughs> it was it, it was hilarious to me. I mean, there are certain movies where you watch and like, did I just see? It? Yes, I did. I just saw that. That was wonderful. Tickets. <laughs> do you have your tickets? Our, um, <laughs> tickets. Our, our kill with Sally or whatever her name was, um, mm-hmm. when she gets killed, I just thought that was pretty. It was actually it's our second suffocation from like plastic bag in two weeks. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of seconds for this move. Yeah. Um, and I like the way he duped her into like, hey, look, smell this Colombian green that I have. It's so good. And then just puts the bag overhead and it doesn't even look like weed. It looks like oregano or something. <laughs> it probably was like parsley flakes. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. and I liked how then he took it a step further. Like he left a little trail of breadcrumbs with her yeah. shoes and stuff so that led the friend to the dumpster. Yeah. And then he can see the tail of the, you know, little piece of the fabric of her dress hanging out of the dumpster. And she just knows what she's going to find. No, this, but then this, she this, opens the dumpster and then the, the, the problem I had before she opened the dumpster, she's pulling, on, yeah, <laughs> she's on, the pulling on the piece of clothing. Like, like that's going to open it up. Like, I think she just was wondering, like, I think this is my friend's blouse, but I'm not positive. So she pulls on it and then sees that it's like a sleeve. Mm -hmm. So she knows it like it is. But like you wonder, like, oh, how did that guy have that much time to do all that? But you know what? She was inside with her diarrhea. So it probably took a little while. So she got (laughs) the John. 
So one thing that kind of bugged me is that the girl that he's trying to kill at midnight mountain time, uh, Mm. you know, the girl who is at the drive-in, you know, then she's, she runs away and she's hiding from him. He doesn't actually get to complete the murder. No. And, but like nothing really happens. Like he doesn't have like a meltdown about it. It doesn't like throw off his whole plan. It's like, why not just have him get the kill? I don't know. I I feel like we should have just gotten a kill there. And then he like bums a ride, right? Yeah. Go with with God, my child. That was a great line. It would have been nice if maybe the person that he bummed a ride from, maybe he killed them instead, like as a, you know, a second option. Yeah. Well, I think that that time would have been over. I don't know if it matters. Like he, he has this very strict code. Like I have to kill every hour on the hour, but like nothing happens when he doesn't. And it's like, well, what, then why not just let us have an extra kill? Well, I think it's because there, there was an exposition from the lieutenant at the beginning of the movie. You know, he's going to make a mistake and we're going to find him. And I guess that was his mistake later in the movie is that, you know, he had to move on to the next kill. You know, obviously it was set up that that he was mentally ill and at the sanitarium for a certain amount of time. Which, by the way, how did Diane not know this? Exactly. Come on. You didn't know that. They have, they have a 20 year old. 27 year old son and they're like 32 um yeah <laughs> and that, that son obviously has issues a well. lot uh yeah, absolutely which was fine i mean i thought that was a great plot for the movie is that you know father and son maybe it is hereditary you know mental illness whatever it might be i don't know but it was i don't know where i was going but oh with the mistake the mistake that he made he just ran off so i i think you guys were both getting there that Okay, so he had to go on to his next kill because as yeah. the Aspen kill didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but get... but his making a mistake there didn't actually lead the police to find him. Yeah. Like it really had no consequence. And it didn't really throw him off at all. Off yeah, his game. Like, there was he just still like just no reason. To the next one. Yeah, I'm curious about. I don't know, the it just felt pointless. Yeah, I after the maybe the first kill, uh, the police had figured this thing out right away. Did did. Richard, say something about I'm going to kill somebody in every time zone or every. He said every... someone that, you know, which like only Yvonne. That's was really someone that, that he, was the first knew. call, right? Yeah. And the, but the police were able to figure out, oh, no, he's going to kill somebody uh, every midnight that it strikes in that time zone. So he's going to yeah. kill four people tonight. And they figured that out after the first kill. Am I correct? Because I thought the first yeah, call. I thought was he said that on the in the phone call. I I might have missed he that. He says at know. midnight I'm gonna kill someone. But it, I think yeah, I, don't know I think he said, said at midnight each each okay. time zone. I could have sworn he said that. I I don't remember. I mean that. I don't remember but, if he just says midnight and then we see through his work that like oh he means midnight every time zone because it's not yeah. quite midnight yet in L.A. Yeah, because the glaring thing to me is when the the, the police are having a conversation with Diane, they're saying, well, well, we figured out that uh, he's gonna kill somebody. Every time it hits midnight in each time zone. The first so kill I, happened I, I don't around New York. That. Yeah, I don't no. remember that first one. So that's call. why they were like, oh, wait, that's midnight New York time, not L.A. Everybody's calling you in L.A., so he must be building up. Maybe that's how they figured it out. I guess in the Hyder- 80s. Hyderberg, do you remember? Because I've seen this before, and so I already knew that this was the concept before. us. So, like, whether he said it in the phone call or not didn't really matter since I already knew what the plot was. But yeah. you, since this was your first time, did you get that, that, like, I don't think he said it in the phone call. I, I think he says just that I'm going to kill someone at midnight. And then I think okay. you as the audience, you kind of just pick up on the fact that like, yeah, he's doing it to each time zones midnight hmm. up, building up to the final kill. So I got to tell you guys something. The first time I watched this when I was with Megan, 
I was super, super tired at the time and kind of like falling asleep through part of it. Good. So did I. (laughs) And I totally misunderstood what the killer's whole like game plan was. And I thought he was going to act. I thought he was starting off physically being on the East Coast and killing somebody and then driving (laughs) to the next time zone by midnight. And I'm like, how fucking fast is this guy going that he's going to make like he has to drive as quickly as the earth turns. I don't think what this doesn't make any sense. And then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, I'm stupid. (laughs) But but that makes a lot of sense, Jacqueline, because I did that, you know, back at the end of July. (laughs) Took me 44 hours to go from Wisconsin to Southern California. So there's no way he would have been able to do that. I know, but that's how tired I was that I was that stupid that I now John, how many women did you kill along the way from there to California? My lips are sealed. I played the (laughs) fan, sir. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Zero. Absolutely. I mean, you are a pretty charming guy. (laughs) Right. God. Did everybody in the 80s have a switchblade? Yeah, or a so. comb switchblade. Oh, it's still the same thing. You know? a comb. <laughs> I need your tickets. Give me your tickets. Ticket. <laughs> and what cop lets a kid pull out a switchblade and doesn't do anything about it? Like, even though it's not a switchblade, he pulled it out. Oh, my God. In your, like, at your eyeball. And yeah. you were, like, just cool with it. Hey, man, calm down. Yeah. My hair. Hyderberg, you were mad last week in Black Christmas about the shoddy police work, but I think that there was even shoddier police work happening in this movie. Um, yeah. When they finally figure out that, like, Richard is the guy that, like, they figure out the identity of the killer and that he's in the bill. Oh, no, no, no. Let me back up. When they figure out that one of the cops has been knocked out and therefore yeah. the killer must be in the building, one guy says it to Blaze, but mm-hmm. like nobody else knows. And it's like, don't you think you should announce this? And like, there should be. Yeah, we just found one of our own knocked out downstairs. We think that the killer could be in the bill. Who fucking yeah. knocked the cop out then? But hold, hold yeah. on. Let's go back on that. Is that he was naked or at least wearing his underwear because he stole That's his clothes. True. He took his yeah. top at least. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like cop- telling it confidentially like to Blaze. And it's yeah. like, um, I think you would be making a bigger deal of this. That, yeah, oh, like, the shut the place probably down. in the building. And exactly. they had, so they, they said the whole place is sealed off, but they just had like one or maybe two cops at each entrance and like easily distracted. Yeah, unless and you're a cop with a like, big tape recorder on your side walking around. Yeah, this is not like, you know, high, high security, high at, level security here. Right. At the beginning of the movie, he, it was a tape recorder or a, a little stereo <laughs> thing. With like an had, RCA commercial. But, entire- I thought I thought the director did a really good thing and put it in a briefcase later. That it's yeah. just like you don't yeah. know what it is. I thought that was actually a pretty good way to cover it up. It was because a cool the, gimmick, I guess. He cut like recording the killings and then playing them back for Diane. that. That was a great idea. I, I yeah. love that idea of of recording what was happening and then playing it back. Um, you know, which led to our uh, elevator thing. But I do want to go back to when uh, Richard was the uh, business manager for Eric Estrada <laughs> when he went <laughs> to the bar. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else getting Ron Burgundy vibes? Mm. Say classy, San Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was a California-based movie. Smells like rich mahogany. (laughs) You've been eating cheese all day? (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. (laughs) I love lamp. I love lamp. I love lamp. Loud noises. You love anyway, the lamp brick. So I, I, so I honestly, uh, I did not see Richard being the killer, like Diane's husband. I didn't see that coming. There weren't a lot of breadcrumbs that really led you to think that. Mm-hmm. They mentioned the husband earlier, but wonderful twist. I, thought that, I did that, enjoy that. Mm, that was so that I, was good. 
I think that twist made up for the fact that we see the identity of the, like we see the killer's face right from the get go. Yeah. Cause at first it feels like, Oh, well, what's the suspense here? Like we see the killer, like we already know who, who done it. Yeah. So what's, you know, what are we watching for here? Where's the suspense? But then I think that twist kind of makes it worth it. I sort of got um, like slight Jalo vibes a little bit. At first you see the black gloves kill Yvonne. Right. And you don't see the killer. And then they kind of twist that by showing you the killer, right? So we're like, oh, we do see the killer, but we don't know who he <coughs> is. So there's still that mystery to him enough where we're like, all right, so now what is his motives? Because we don't know what those are, why he's doing this. Mm-hmm. So it sort of lent an air of mystery to him still. And I like that as well because it was random. But but I like the fact that he went to the uh, sanitarium first because that's where he was that same sanitarium where he was a patient and again you know the plot hole is how did his wife of however many years let's say 20 years didn't know that he was in this you know well maybe she did and she just thought like oh he's cured or like this is something i can live with they never specifically say that the only time yeah the only time they say that is when they're in the elevator and she goes richard you're sick and it's like duh (laughs) Yeah, so that was that was awesome. The elevator thing where she got handcuffed and the chain thing. And then when it goes up, Yvonne's like at least her head. I couldn't tell if it was just her head. I think it was her head. Yeah, I think it was just her head. Stashed away up there. Yeah, because they never found Yvonne's body, right? No, and that was pretty. They did. She was just missing the whole time. That was was pretty much the the hardcore gore that you got because all the rest were just like stab wounds. I guess there's a reason that I thought Derek might be in on it because uh, all right so when when he when mom comes back into the room and dad's in the bathroom like Derek's like I'm I'm in on the surprise but I don't want any part of it or something like that and then leaves so I guess it was just a surprise that dad's in the room or something right? that's how I read it because yeah he said something like I had a surprise for you but now I don't yeah. want any part of it and I think it was just that Richard was there but also I, I noticed on my second watch because I watched it twice this weekend um when Yvonne gets killed, when that when her hotel room door opens, right, we're, we're supposed to think that what Richard got in at that point when she turned her back and then went in the shower. But if you notice, when she looks down the hallway, there's a man walking down the hallway with flowers in his hand. That's Derek walking up to his mother's room with the flowers in his hand. Why did he oh, cut through that way? So did he maybe open the door for dad as a distraction? Or maybe dad was already in that, that room in the shower. I don't know. Could just be a coincidence that they show Derek in the building. Are you sure that's Derek? I just didn't remember that detail. On a second viewing, I think it was. Okay. All right. All right. He had flowers and he had a bouquet in his hand, and that's right. Mom. And actually, that's really brilliant. But then, how did Richard get into the room? I don't know. Maybe he was in the room already, and it was just a ploy to get her to like leave the bathroom for a second. I don't know. Who knows? But um, I don't know. I don't think that's dad's work in the end, right? Like he he ends up finishing the job we're supposed to assume yeah that freaking mask i loved i thought that the look of the mask was great it was cool sort of had like a richard nixon sort of vibe to it or yeah kind of but like goofy yeah yeah uh oh so yeah about the mask actually i I wrote a note about that i love i like the mask because it's like kind of humorous but a little grotesque at the mm-hmm. same time it, but it, it did make me laugh actually <laughs> like when he yeah. first kind of pops out with it you're like yeah he's like ooga booga yeah <laughs> but the thing is it's like i when i see a killer in a mask i want to like 
I want that mask to be like iconic and associated forever with that character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, like you want to kind of interlink them in your, in your mind forever. Kind of like Jason in the hockey mask or Michael Myers mm-hmm. in the Shatner mask. Um, he doesn't wear the mask no. for any of his other kills or any of the other victims. We don't actually see it until, you know, the last act of the movie. And so it feels like kind of just thrown in there and unearned. It's like, well, why, why, why even have it? You know, I, it just, I feel like it needs to either be consistent or not at all. It just felt like kind of a random detail just like thrown in to be interesting or something for a second. But it's like it doesn't it doesn't nab that like it doesn't nail that like killer um, just a killer mask trope for me. Yeah, like the baby mask from uh, the Valentine. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that 100 percent, you know, because it's so problematic of the killer is an everyday person has got this certain level of, uh, you know, social awareness to be able to go charm a woman to commit what he is going to do. And then all of a sudden the mask is brought in. I like the look of it, you know, and I thought it was, it was actually really kind of cool that Derek donned the mask and almost it kind of turned him to the dark side, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, driving that ambulance off with his dead dad inside and, you know, something was going to happen because you saw the ambulance driver that was dead on the passenger seat. So, yeah, which I actually like that, um, that ending, because mm-hmm. I like the twist of Richard being the killer, which mm-hmm. is like, I just didn't see it coming, even though it could have hit maybe a little bit more or something, but mm-hmm. I liked it. And then, um, yeah, I like the fact that Derek sort of just that gets unhinged enough when he sees dad dead and picks up the, uh, the mask. Yeah. So that makes me think that the choice to have Richard in that mask in in just that one scene when he jumps out behind blaze is i think i get the sense that it sorry ballets <laughs> i get the sense that it was just done in order to make that final part yeah. work where this to like signal to us that oh the son is like symbolically picking up the mantle and carrying on with what his dad but was like doing. you said it wasn't iconic enough during the whole movie to really have that meaning Right. And so, but you know what, the way that he kind of changes his persona for each of the previous kills, I wouldn't want him to be in the mask. I want to see him pretend to be a nurse in the psychiatric hospital. I want to see him pretend to be a priest. I want to see him pretend to be like a business agent or whatever with these uh, two blonde women. And so I just kind of feel like the mask doesn't work and it would have been better if they had found some other way to signal that the sun was like taking over as it were for the day. Yeah. It almost felt like two different movies, you know, like you said, the first two acts, you know, this, it kind of gelled together, you know, there, there were a lot of plot holes in it and a lot of terrible acting, but then all of a sudden it it becomes this and you're like, Mm -hmm. wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) If we had more backstory or something like that, what, why the, why is he wearing it? Right. Like he could have just as easily been like hiding behind her curtains and like been like, boo. Diane. It was just to throw us off as the audience, like, oh crap, the killer's in the in the building. And then we find out like she knows the killer when he takes yeah. the mask off. But we still could have had that reveal in myriad yeah, other ways. We didn't need the mask. It's like every every movie with a masked killer, the killer is wearing it all the time. Like mm-hmm. Happy Death Day, right. My yeah. Bloody His Valentine, The Strangers. Much. Like it's it's consistent. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is that it could have been just of just as effective if Derek saw his dad dead after he committed suicide, jumping off the building, 
not putting on the mask, but you, you, okay, this guy's ready to go. And you see Derek just sitting there, but no, he's dons the mask. Now, and when, when Richard jumps off the building, he has the mask on. Yes, he, he does. Right. He still has it on. He does. Maybe they put the mask on him to disguise the fact that that was a terrible dummy that they threw. You <laughs> <laughs> can see that. Yeah. Cause that thing falls like flat, like with arms just extended out, like just wobbling. Just, just like, wobbling. yeah, like it fell out of bed or something. <laughs> yeah, that's I true. thought that was hilarious. But I did like the fact that he jumps and kills himself too. Cause that was another thing that I didn't really think was coming. You know what I mean? I was like, Oh, he's going to kill himself. Like, yeah, that never happens. Yeah. Really, you never really so. see that. He's like, whatever I did what I wanted to do. Like I tried. Yeah. So like in a in a movie that is specifically notable for showing the killer's face right from the get go, it doesn't make sense to have him with a mask mm. at the end. It just doesn't fit. And that it doesn't make sense as a symbol for the sun to pick up and carry on. So I think an anti mask. I'm yeah, an anti masker. I, I, <laughs> shame on you, Jackie. <laughs> Jacqueline. <laughs> um what was the point of the <laughs> the bikers? Was that like one of the most unnecessary scenes you've ever seen? I mean, I, just I, I throw get... him off his game, I guess. So that's like, oh, wait, oh, I think it was just second. a take up time. So like that's, the girl that he takes, but, but, the girl that he takes in the drive-in was sort of like a last ditch. He didn't plan on taking her. Understood. Yeah, uh, and it was just so he I could stop cars, I, right? I don't understand why she didn't get out because her door wasn't know. locked. Her boyfriend got out. I mean, the whole because scene her boobs was just were exposed. That's why well, she didn't want to run out. Of okay, the button up. I had to. Yeah, no, just get the fuck out of there. Um, yeah. No, because it, it made zero sense. Because he's driving, you know, and then they just had this dumb scene where the you know leader biker guy just flips him off and then takes off. And then yeah. two minutes later, they happen to be parked right in the middle of the street, or maybe he veered off or something. It just made zero so his sense. Got in the way. Yeah, they well, did they park? Like, no, it's it seems to me that, that he veered off and like yes. they, they were parked in front so. of a, a bar and it's like she's dude, in the back seat. She could have easily got out at any time. Yeah. Again, I think it was just filler to pad out the runtime and it caused pacing problems. Like there was no real point. Yeah. It just throw <laughs> it like it that's why it's a slog to get through. You know, you see all these musical montages and it's like, oh god, just get it to the end. This movie could have easily been like what 55 minutes yeah i agree i don't know but yeah i'm like kind of torn because i do like i i found the film to be a little slow and boring definitely but there's like like we said there's a certain aspects of it that were pretty promising or well done or different that we haven't seen before and had pacing been a little bit cleaned up and the plot maybe a little touched up like this could have been a really memorable slasher Mm -hmm. you know what i think it could be due for a remake Directed by Rob Zombie, obviously. As <laughs> obviously, should be. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, th- I think that there there's some good stuff here that could be taken and um, you know spun into something a little more effective. Yeah. So I I you wouldn't use like a cell phone. With yeah, like I wouldn't VPN mind seeing something. Yeah, like I I you know I hope that somebody does kind of pick this up and and do it because yeah there is so little New Year's Eve horror out there. Mm-hmm. That I think I think it's about time. It's been forty years. Yikes! Almost forty-two years. Oh Jesus! Damn. Have it, like based right now, um, and so like the killer could just be wearing a mask the whole time, like a COVID mask. <laughs> yeah, right. So we just uh, he just changes out his mask. One's like a Ninja Turtle mask. The other one, looks like, <laughs> the other one's black. No, no, no. no. It would be really funny if it, it'd be meta if if he, no, mask, yeah. no, if he put on like 
like Michael Myers COVID mask or a uh, Jason yeah. COVID mask. Yeah. And there's just like, yeah, little yeah, homages yeah. to horror movies. <laughs> there you go. Come on, directors, listen to us. We, we have the idea. I ideas wonder if there Hollywood. is like a treatment anywhere, though, floating around for, for like a remake of this. Let's write one, the three of us. Let's do it. Damn, I'm actually, I Let's would pause. be, we, I would actually be really excited if somebody could treat this movie right and not have the slogginess in between. This would actually be maybe a uh, very... Michael from uh, Horrorpocalypse Productions. Yes. Oh my gosh. Let's tell Michael. That would be a dope re- Oh my God. I would be excited for that. New yeah. Year's Evil. Maybe one of you guys could be Richard. Mm. John, I am, I am a dick sometimes. Maybe I could play Richard. This Audition for technique. me right now. Let me hear your best evil voice. Evil. I gotta throw me a freaking bone here, Scott. <laughs> John, you can be the ticket. Freaking sharks with freaking laser beams. Tickets. Give me your tickets. Tickets. Give me your tickets. tickets. John, you love that. <laughs> I, said, oh my. I told you I rewound it like four times ago. Oh my God. That guy really said it like that. He's like Indiana Jones. He's going to throw somebody out. No ticket. <laughs> Every time I hear the word ticket for the next month, you're going to hear that. Exactly. Your face is going to turn all red. Tears are going to be coming down your eyes because you'll be laughing. So, ticket, give me your ticket. Well, the the funny thing is you doing it, not the guy. I like it. All right. You're going to go watch it right after this, aren't you? You're going to watch that scene. I mean, I might. I'm not going to say that. I'm going to go listen to the soundtrack. But you're going to ticket to watch it. (laughs) All right. Well, we've we've covered all. We've covered a lot here. There's there's yeah, not a whole lot to this movie. To Do you guys have any other major points you want to make before we give our ratings? No, I don't think so. I think right. I'm good. Johnny, why don't you start? All right, I'm going to kick it off. Uh, and I'll let Hydroberg into his review because I know he has a better thought about it than I do uh oh. I love the idea of what they did with with the slasher it was it was really really unique the fact that you saw him at the beginning of the movie kind of first time you see it you go what the fuck is this I don't want but then it, it, it kind of turns into this character where you go oh I kind of like what they did there I like his backstory of of actually going to this asylum there was so many mistakes in this movie. It slogged on and on. There was way too much uh, band performance, and it was the same band switching back and forth. No reason for it. The sound mixing was god awful. Like, it was just okay. You got a band playing, but you hear people clogging around as they're mosh pitting, and they had tickets. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I was really close to saying. That this movie fucks, or at least the flaccid fuck, but man, it was just there was too many problems with it. If it was shorter, I, I and Jacqueline, you're absolutely right. They, you know, they tried to stretch it out to to make it 125 or 100, an hour and 25 minutes. So um, I think I'm going to give it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four out of ten tickets. <laughs> <laughs> John, did you plan on that being the the rating, or you caught me off guard there? Make that. Yes, yes, I did. Oh That's my awesome. god! Yes, I did. It's, I was wondering what you were gonna pick. I was too. <laughs> okay, Hydroberg. Oh, I just sidetracked this whole show. Sorry, I know, I gotta follow guys. that now. All right. <laughs> All right, so um, I'll give you guys a couple pros before I give you the cons. Obviously, the soundtrack I thought for this film is decent. You know, the stuff that isn't like rehashed over and over again. Like, I don't know. It's just kind of cool to have the 
the live music. The idea of the bands playing is a cool idea, even though it was like a little bit like, you know, yeah. shitty, like the, the performances of the people dancing and stuff like that just sort of looked like extras moving around a little bit. It was very, I don't know, wooden. Um, I like the idea of the plot revolving around a New Year's Eve party, too. Like, I just thought that was an interesting idea and having the bands interchange in that, you know, that was pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed the killer uh, and his calls to blaze that the calls were like not the best, but I just enjoy I, I don't know. I think I just like the idea of a guy calling in and creeping somebody out. You know, we had that last film. It was done better, though. But um, I don't know. It's 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 unsettling, especially I could see for a woman getting these random calls while you're at work. It's just like throwing her off her game. She's supposed to be like on live television. So I don't know, it's kind of cool. Um, I like the reveal of the true identity of the killer as well. I just didn't see that coming. And I thought that was one of the things that the film did pretty well. Um, the different take on the shot of the genre, I thought is just a credit, you know, to the film. As far as slashes go, we've seen so many different tropes and I thought this did something a little bit different. Um, like I said, it had a little bit of a Jalo vibe for me, just a little bit. You could tell they were leaning on that. Um, I also like that Derek picks up after the father and this sort of ending appealed to me, like probably the bad guy wins, even though there is no like great person to get behind in this movie. Um, I like the way the film like starts with the skyline of L.A. and then like ends with the skyline of L.A. as well. So, like I thought that was pretty decent filmmaking. Um, for cons, though, like the pacing is a real issue in this movie. Like, and I'll be honest, like I dozed off twice the two times that I watched it. And uh, like I liked part of the film, but it definitely slogged. And there were just parts of it like I just felt myself like I'm, I'm going to look at my cell phone right now. And, you know, I didn't want to do that because I'm trying to be critical and review it. But um, and the plot just felt really thin and half baked in certain sections. Like I like the husband as the killer. But there were some loose threads I felt like they could have pulled on more about like his background with the psychiatric ward and like uh, what his motives were like, like Jacqueline, they they dump it on you later. He tells you everything. And like you said, like, show it to me. Don't just tell me everything that's going on. G give me some glimpses into their marriage. It sounds like it could have been more complex than we were aware of. And like I thought like this, the family dynamic could have been developed a little bit more you know, between Derek and mom. And it just wasn't that it was kind of thin, you know, um, like all three of them are not very likable characters. And Diane, especially like you, you should want to at least like her. She's the main victim. And like, I feel more for the victims that he kills along the way because they're just innocents and her. She's kind of like not the nicest person. So you don't feel that bad for her in the end. Um, and I thought the kills, they're serviceable, but I would have liked a little bit more gore. A lot of it happened off screen. So uh, for me, with that said, I'm going to come down on New Year's Evil. Uh, I'm going to give it a five out of ten tickets. Tickets. <laughs> tickets. Okay. Is that correct? Right. Nice That's job. reasonable. That's reasonable. Okay. How about you, Jacqueline? Uh, you know, I, I don't think I have too much to say that's like different from what you guys said my my pros are as i said before i like the idea of this movie i like the concept mm. of killing every hour on the hour in the time zones leading up to you know 12 o'clock on the on the west coast it's organized it's a little creative it gives you something a little bit different it gives you something to expect like oh something's coming and you know it, like you have a timeline it's like oh it's it's 10 40 you know we only have 20 minutes until the next kill um but I even feel like that could have been played up more like the police officers like racing against the clock to try to find him. We didn't really see them like 
trying that hard to like figure out who or where he is and so they didn't even leave the building yeah like it would be nice <laughs> to <right>. s- <laughs> yeah like let's see some police work let's see some like yeah. racing against the clock to try to beat this guy otherwise it's just kind of like it, like the device doesn't really do that much it just it's kind of like for his own benefit like oh i must kill every hour on the hour but as we talked about before when he misses one at the midnight on the mountain time it like nothing really happens so who cares um but yeah but that sounds like a con but basically i like the idea of it some execution problems but i like the the concept um i like the scenes of the the women of the women that he picks up and kills um i agree i would have enjoyed more gore it's a slasher i want to see gore so Mm -hmm. um you know but we got a little bit with yvonne's head in the elevator shaft and you know that was pretty cool and um as you guys said i like the twist you know if if it's your first time seeing it that's very unexpected and it does offset that sort of let down feeling that you might have at the beginning where you're like oh i can i see the killer's face like where's the suspense now it kind of offsets that i think the songs are okay um I, I i don't mind the songs um i like the cool 80s look you know i the punks and i like you know blaze looks kind of ridiculous but I, I mean it was 1980 so everything was really over the top and that whole look and so i actually enjoyed that i enjoyed her really over the top look i mean she's a she's a performer and she's on tv so your look should be a little over the top i think my cons the phone calls especially in comparison with the movie we reviewed last week black Black Mm. christmas the phone calls are just laughable um they're not scary what's that there was no licking or anything no licking or anything uh blaze is not sympathetic i mean i don't like want her to die but i just don't feel this vested interest in like oh my gosh i hope she can evade this killer like just it just feels inconsequential because we don't care about her we don't really see her in any moments alone where she's like coping with any kind of emotional distress it's just kind of like bravado and like barking at people the one thing that really bothers me is the role of Derek. Um, again, like, like you guys pointed out, it, it almost looks like he's meant to be like a red herring, but that doesn't work if you already know who the killer is. And so it's like, what is this guy doing? And, you know, we see him putting the stocking over his face and he looks like he's going to maybe perhaps kill some additional people but that never happens. And it's like, he's sort of creeping around and you think maybe he's going to kill his mom, but he doesn't. And so it... <laughs> until the end, excuse me. Well, we still don't see him actually kill anybody, but That's true. Um, it kind of just goes nowhere. And so it's like a, a red herring that doesn't, pay doesn't off. distract from it. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't pay off. So it's kind of like why. And I guess you can sort of assume that, okay, maybe there's a genetic component to like, his father being mentally ill and he's got a touch of that himself. But I also think we're meant to believe that there's environmental factors here too. Like both of them have been neglected by arguably the most important woman in their lives. Yeah. Um, and so we do see over and over again, this son is trying to communicate with her and, but it's a bad time. She's busy with work, but it's even that feels kind of like thin and it, 
not substantial. It's like one incident. You know, we don't we don't see a pattern of this because it all takes place on one night. It's just this one thing he's trying to do. So I just feel like the role that he plays is not really as complex or fleshed out as it could be. Um, I already bitched and moaned about the mask. Um, And then finally, I guess, when we find out the killer's motives at the end, I mean, I think that that motive has been used many, many a time in many horror and slasher movies. Uh, It's not entirely different from Maniac or Psycho even. You know, uh, Anthony Perkins. For an allowance? What's that? I said having to ask your wife for an allowance. Yeah, like being emasculated. Like we've yeah. like Norman Bates in Psycho, we find mm-hmm. out his mother was very domineering. And so th- there's a combination of like being kind of dominated by a woman and that like um throws your sense of like masculinity into imbalance. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. You're good. Um, but then also this sense of like moralizing and like she's a whore because like if you remember he catches his mother in bed with this other guy and so there's like the sexual component and like moralizing but this is like very in this film it's just really ham-fisted and cliched it doesn't feel believable it's it feels like it's just sort of tacked on and thrown in so it's it's not great writing it's it's kind of a low budget you know small slasher movie it's not hitchcock level obviously Um, and so it just feels a little like meh it's it's not entirely convincing or effective so uh, all that stuff weighed against each other like john i am going to give this film a four out of ten tickets tickets well done jacqueline tickets please tickets ticket. ticket. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe i came in too high with a five i was going 4.5 originally I, I was waffling between a four and a five. But then I, I was remember, like, I then it's a suck. And I don't feel like this movie entirely sucks. Yeah, no, I I, I think I a think five is totally reasonable. I, I, I was sucks. kind of debating myself, but I, I do think that ultimately it kind of sucks. Yeah, it's not it's not the worst movie time. we've seen. Thanks, killing. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> I do think that this movie would be kind of fun if you were with a group of friends and you were drinking and it was New Year's Eve and you just kind of had it on and nobody was paying really close attention. Yeah, um, oh, and I didn't mention Hyderberg. You're totally right about the pacing. And it's just it's easy to kind of snooze during this movie. And but like if you if you have some friends and you're having a good time already and you can just put this on, I think I think that's probably an ideal environment to watch it in. Agreed. I agree with that 100. Yeah. percent I couldn't imagine there's any trivia to this, is there? There's a little bit, and I actually oh, wow. have a little pop quiz for you. Is guys. it evil trivia? No, it's ticket <laughs> trivia. How many tickets? How many times does the cop say tickets? 325. Oh, sorry, John. 325 tickets. All right, so I have four little pop quiz questions for you guys. Okay. The drive-in theater seems to be showing Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast from 1963. If you guys remember, they show the title card for Blood Feast and like Blood Feast, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But it is not Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast. The movie that is actually showing is... Oh, God, I wrote this down. I wrote this. Hold on a second. I actually wrote it down. I'm going to say John. Uh, let's, Let's see. Hold on. Hold on. Give me a second here. I just took like little... Bullet point notes. Da-da, Ron Burgundy, drive in. <laughs> Blood feast. That's what she said. 
That's what I just said. It says it's showing Blood Feast, but it's not Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast. It's something else. Oh, Blood something. Blood I know dying. it's Blood something. <laughs> no, it's, it's called... I Don't ask me why this is the movie they used. It's called The Red Queen Kills Seven Times. Ah. Did they have it on the marquee or something? I didn't, I didn't hear I that. I have no idea. I, well, I just didn't know if maybe you recognized the footage or the voiceover or something, but that's what it is. Oh. Um, it was also distributed under the name Blood Feast. And so that has caused some uh, confusion. And so I, maybe this was in the public domain that they were able to just throw it in there and not have to pay for rights. And they thought, you know, maybe it would like, you know, look like a more recognizable movie to people. But it's a canon film, too, right? I believe. What? Wasn't this a canon film? I think a in the beginning. Film? Yeah. I don't they know what you well, mean. They did a good amount of horror films back in the day. Oh, canon, <laughs> the, the studio canon. Yeah. Oh, I, um, I, I, don't d- I don't know. Okay, let's see here. Um, the director, Emmett Alston, has a Hitchcock-style cameo in this film. Does anybody know what small role he plays? The guy who says tickets. Hyderberg. <laughs> no, I wish, but no. Was he the guy that asked the blonde girl to dance at the bar? No, that's a good guess. But oh. no, not him. Uh, he's the bearded and bespectacled camera operator. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and I didn't know that until I, I read the trivia, but I remember I did notice that particular guy because I was like, that guy looks so 80s. He had the like the glasses with the like line straight across at the top and the the beard and the shirt. I mean, he just looks so 80s. <laughs> All right. So number three, the song that the first caller asks for who calls into the, the show is we don't John. need no education. This is a reference to John. Uh, Pink Floyd. I was yeah. gonna say, bro, you worked for radio. You better get this right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you know the name of the actual song? Uh, that the Pink would be Floyd the- song. That would be the wall. Yeah, or another brick in the wall, but yeah. Okay. Yep, you got it. All right, so hey, John, John got that one. Leave those kids alone. Give me your ticket. <laughs> Tickets. Leave those kids alone. Oh my God. Hey, teacher. Leave All those right. kids alone. That's a good song. If you don't eat your meat, you can't have any pudding. How can you have your pudding if you <laughs> don't eat your meat? Anyway. Hey, you laddie. <laughs> Money. This All show right. is now going to be just Pink Floyd impersonations. That's that's what we do now. Well, hey, that we got good results. Good uh, people spoke about the Elvis stuff from last week, and they like and it. They did. People did like your Elvis stairway. To- oh, wrong band. Sorry, my bad. Okay, one last pop quiz question. During the first call made by the killer, it is mentioned, or Blaze says, "You sound like the Phantom." This is a reference to the character. For- the character of Phantom from Hyderberg. Phantom of the Opera? No, good guess, but no. John, you have a guess? Um, Phantom of Black Christmas? No. Oh, is it not that a, not movie a good with, guess. The, with the owl mask? Yeah. yeah Phantom okay. of the seen. Paradise. Yeah, Paradise, yeah. Yeah, Michael would know that one. He covered that on his, on his podcast. Um, all right, so John is the only one who got any questions right, so he's the winner. <laughs> they were tough ones. They were. Those were tough. Those, Those were are tough. great questions, though, actually. I know. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, given the limited amount of trivia, it's the best I could do. So, 
I always like every time because you did say blood feast. I remember that. But every time I have to take a quiz or a test, I freeze up and I forget everything. I, I don't know why. It's, it's the way I always was in school, too. So. I like that you made us wait to get through your notes. You're like, wait, hold on. I wrote it down. And then you just say the same. I, I say the same thing. It's called <laughs> Jacqueline goes, it's called Blood Feast. What was the other name? Blood Feast. I'm waiting for it. Too. I was like, oh, wait, I can't wait to hear what he says. Uh, yeah, I was going to be really impressed. I was like, he, the, he wrote that. down the Red Queen kills seven times. What the <laughs> fuck? No, I wrote down Blood Feast. Stranger calls. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so. Um, yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun, guys. And episode number 26, so excellent job. Hyderberg, your pick next week, buddy. What are no, we watching? No, no, no. Jacqueline's pick. I is it Jacqueline's? Oh, that's is right. Jacqueline, I'm sorry. It's, it's your pick to kick off 2022. All right. So uh, for next week, I am choosing Scream 4. Whoa. Oh, because the new one's coming out the next week, the new right? one is coming out January like, 14th, I believe. Is that a good one or is that a bad one? Well, I don't know. You'll have to tune in next week and find out. You got to pick the fourth one. Now I feel like compelled. Like I got to watch all of them before that. Now, I mean, there are worse things you could do with your time. Hyderberg. I think we should try and get Rob from straight chilling on it. Hey, <laughs> that is a great Come idea. On, actually, I know you love Scream 4. Oh, boy. All right. Let the campaigning start. Get yeah, no. Bob on for Scream 4. You know, he's he's going to solicit himself. He's going to be like, I'll go on with you guys no matter what. Just, uh, just yeah, come on, out. Scream 4, man. Get in here. All right. So, yeah, Scream 4, just in preparation of Scream 5 coming out January 14th, I believe, is the release date. Um, I didn't want to just, you know, pick Scream because that's been reviewed bazillions of times. And so why not pick the most recent entry, Scream 4? I love the idea. Plus the fact, you know, that Scream has become a classic. You know, it's like if we start reviewing the exorcist or Texas chainsaw or Halloween. It's just like, what else are we going to say about it? There's nothing more to add to it. You know, you right. know what our scores are going to be probably, yeah. but it's going to be very high. We, we all think highly of those movies. It may not be your favorite, but yeah, you're right. I think screen four is a great pick. So thank you. So there you go. Also do want to say thank you to everybody that's been listening. We're up to episode number 26. Uh, yeah. We're coming into 2022. Some big guests coming our way, some bigger shows. We're going to start doing some different things with the show. I mean, we have to brainstorm it first and then we'll figure it out. But um, <laughs> we have a soundboard. <laughs> a new soundboard. A soundboard. I'll figure out how to use this and annoy the shit out of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm looking forward me. to it. I'm looking yeah. forward to having some bumps and sound bites. I'll be I feel fine. like I got to really watch what I say now because it's going to be used against me. Yeah, maybe we'll get like somebody to sing a song called Hide Your Bugs, Reach Around, Plot Synopsis. I, I have an idea for the for the uh, Hide Your Bugs, Reach Around. Oh, let's talk about it off. Yeah. Okay. Keep it a surprise. A little theme for it. We need a sound bite of you going, tickets. Tickets. Oh, we've got that. We will have that. <laughs> tickets. That and your, your classic sound bite from last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make an honest woman out of there. Exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Black oh, Christmas is now my wife. <laughs> yes, it is. I have, <laughs> I have married her. <laughs> so where, they, where can they find us, guys? Well, if you'd like to email us and share your thoughts about anything that we've been talking about or anything for next week's show, you can email us at acutabovehorrorreview at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cutabovehorror. You can find us on Instagram at acutabovehorror.horror underscore review. And find us on Facebook. Make sure you like us and become our friend. A cut above colon 
horror review. And if you listen to us on iTunes, make sure you rate and review us. Give it that five-star rating. Tell us what we can do better, what you enjoy about the show. Plus, you can listen to us at other uh, uh, podcast services like Spotify and other ones like that. We're trying to get on everything but we just haven't been able we're on to almost everything yeah pretty much but we're working <laughs> on getting some more you know i mean there's yep. a few out there that people have asked us about but we're trying to get on that for 2022 so wherever you do, you do listen to us thank you so much yeah it's on the ticket <laughs> well thanks so much for tuning in with us this week make sure you go watch scream 4 and come back and listen next week when we talk about that movie in preparation for the upcoming scream 5 all right guys keep it creepy tickets okay.